Hello, all you Covey Clubbers. It's Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm here to talk to you about Reinvent Yourself. And I have Vera Gibbons here, who is a wonderful reinventor. She comes out of corporate life, and she was in television. She was the founder and editor of um, nonpoliticalnews.com. That's her new project that she's doing. It's a free daily newsletter that curates content in the consumer, personal finance, health and wellness, fashion and beauty, fitness and diet area. And as she'll tell you later on in the discussion, um, she sort of just gives you, she tells you what the news is, not how to react to it or interpreting it for you. She's really a straightforward journalist, um, but gives you the links and clicks every morning. Her history is that she was a longtime financial journalist. She was a contributor to the CBS Early Show, MSNBC Financial Analyst Correspondent, or CNBC's High Net Worth. She wrote for foxbusiness.com. And in print, she wrote for, among other, mag other magazines, she wrote for a lot. Smart Runny and the New York Times, and was a regular contributor for Inc. Magazine, uh, one of her first stints and Kiplinger's personal finance. And what's wonderful about Vera is that she's using finance as sort of her, you know, the backbone of what she's doing. And we get to have a nice talk about how you, as a financial person, get an entrepreneur uh, idea up and off the ground, what it takes. And what I like is her honesty and her directness. And she decided to sell her apartment and downsize so that she could have enough money to finance her dream. So I want you to welcome the wonderful Vera Gibbons to the Reinvent Yourself CoveyCast, and here she is. So good morning, Vera. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. This is such an honor. Oh, I'm so, as soon as I met you, we had drinks uh, last week in New York, and I was like, oh my God, a sister at heart, leaving the big corporate world, trying to do her own thing, and I love what you're doing. It's such an interesting idea, and why don't you start by talking about what nonpoliticalnews.com, nonpoliticalnews.com, what it is and why you launched it. Let's start with that. Okay, that's a logical place to start. So yeah, right. so I have a daily non-political newsletter called NOPO. And every day and night and into the wee hours of the morning, I look for the best mix of stories that are non-political within consumer personal finance, health and wellness, fashion, beauty, fitness and diet. And then everything's curated. I get up between four and five in the morning, put on the finishing touches and it goes out to my subscribers at seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> every day. So it's, it's for people who are tired of the political bombardment and are looking for a break from the 24 seven political climate. We're also providing a nice healthy diversion too, because I just feel like there's so much hatred and anger and defriending going on out there. So we're killing two birds with one stone. We're covering the non-political news and we are providing that diversion from the bombardment. And stuff you can probably actually talk to your uncle at Thanksgiving about, right? Oh, my goodness. I'm a little nervous as to what this Thanksgiving is oh, going to be like for people, right? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, man. I mean, oh, every year it's bad, but I think it's going to be really bad this year. So, yes, that's what I'm trying to do. That's my mission with Nonpolitical News is to get people talking about things other than politics because there's other stuff going on, people. 
I just thought of a great idea for you. You should run a little contest at Thanksgiving where we all sign up to talk non-political news with our families. And then you can download everybody and see what happened at the end. Give us a, give us a, a play, play by play of how we do this, but you're the, you're the person to do it. So that, that would be really that fun. A great marketing idea. I mean, make that's it a challenge. I'm, that's perfect. Make it a challenge. You know, everybody comes to me with different suggestions. This is the first yes. one that actually sounds like a reasonable, doable, doable one. And it could work. Thank right, you. <laughs> there we go. Maybe I'll do it with you with Covey. So afterwards we'll talk. That would be really fun and we can do it together somehow. So that would be fun. So talk about, so every morning you get up, like you didn't set a little mountain for yourself. You set the Himalayas. Every single morning you get up, what, at 4 a.m. and you read through everything. This is usually what a staff is for. When you were right. working at big corporations, they had staff people who did this. So tell me a little oh, bit about your day. Those were the day. days when you had a staff <laughs> and people helping you left and right. And yeah, so this is a whole new venture for me. I've had a TV background for years and been in print and journalism, journalist for many years with assistance and a big apartment and the whole nine yards. So it's uh, a lean and mean operation with nobody essentially other than myself getting this content out. I mean, I have a couple of interns who help me with the content, but you know, at four o'clock in the morning, nobody wants to get up, but I do because it's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's my baby. And, and I, you know, I got to watch after it 24 seven. It's I, uh, my subscribers are relying on me for good quality news and that responsibility ultimately falls to me. Nobody cares about the product as much as I do. Of course. So, and so what made you do it? Let's, let's get the lowdown for many women who are in the same boat as you and I were and watching their disrupted, you know, love of their lives, their careers going southward because of That's, disruption. Yeah. That's essentially what happened to me, Leslie, sort of like you and I have sort of a similar situation as to why we became entrepreneurs. So I, my situation in a nutshell is I had been going on the air on the Today Show, MSNBC, CBS, pretty much all of the major networks doing personal finance and consumer segments pretty regularly. I mean, probably I was getting booked probably four or five times a week. That's then a lot. the political, that was a lot. That was a lot. The political climate got crazier and crazier and crazier and the bookings pretty much dried up. I was maybe doing one or two appearances a month as opposed to several a week. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there goes the income, there goes the, the job. And I was really sort of reassessing the situation saying, now what? I mean, there was a point when I was like saying to my mom and anybody else who would listen, I just think I need to get out of New York. I don't really have a life here. I'm single. There's nothing keeping me here. And now I don't even really have a job. And mm -hmm. so I was kind of like almost at rock bottom. I hate, I hate to say it, but I mean, I sort of was teetering on the brink of rock bottom. And on the side, I was posting non-political news posts on social media on Facebook, right. just, just for the heck of it, just because it was I had time. <laughs> and it was, yeah, and it was a, fun, <laughs> a lot of time. Uh -huh. And uh, it was a hobby. And people kept saying, oh, you're so funny and you're so witty. You've got a good sense of humor and you know how to write. You should do something with this. People want non-political news. We're sick of the political climate. And I was like, huh. So it was sort of like a hobby that morphed into this 
Alexa monster because now we have the 25,000 subscribers. We're trying to get to 50. We're trying to get to 100. We want a million subscribers. So I am sort of a glutton for pain. I, uh, <laughs> this is a lot to do on your own, but I oh, do. Oh, my goodness. I do love it. And I am a news junkie. And I, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing, even though it's, it's just a lot, of, um, a lot of ups and downs being your own boss. So, so you get up every morning at four and you start reading everything online and newspapers and deciding what's going to go into your, into your stuff. How does your, um, so other than no, non-political news, how would you say you differ from say Morning Brew or the New York Times and Washington Post um, newsletter? I do like Morning Brew. Yeah, it's funny because I do read Morning Brew. I read Morning mm -hmm. Brew and HuffPo and I get the mm -hmm. CNN newsletter. They all come into my inbox. Um, mm -hmm. The difference between what I'm doing, what some of these other newsletters are doing, is they are just, you know, explaining the news and ah. talking about the news and giving everybody a whole like paragraph or two as a as an explainer. My audience is sort of like your audience. We're smart, we're savvy, we're women, we're educated. I feel like my audience doesn't need to be. They don't need an explanation. They just want to know what is going on. So my mission is different from the skim and morning brew and some of these other ones where I'm just exposing the news yes, and I'm throwing a little bit of humor and wit as well, because I don't want people to take things too seriously, but I do want to sort of show showcase the news with a little bit of my style and a little bit of my cynicism uh, sort of <laughs> roped into the roped into it. So it's fun. Yes. No, I noticed that yours is more the, here's what's happening. You're right. And then you have to click through to read the things that you want to read. Right. And then the other things too is Leslie's like the New York times and the Huffington Post, like it's all their content in their newsletters where I use, yes. I use a mix. So I've got Forbes, Fortune, Inc. Magazine, The Rob Report, Thrillist. I use a variety of different sources and I link to those sources. So I'm not just wedded to one particular source the way the New York Times has a newsletter. It's all yes. their stories. So it's like, right. okay. Correct. Correct. That's good. Yeah. That's nice. Right. It's a differentiator. And, right. And why did you set yourself up to do it every single day? I mean, isn't that just a horrific grind? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. And yes. And yes. And yes. That's okay. why I'm like, I must have some self-loathing going on. But yes, I, it, the thing is, if I started, I started doing it daily. So now for me to just go back and do it weekly would be a complete cop out. Now, had right. I started doing it weekly and gone into daily, that would be something different. But right. every now and then I say, oh, maybe I should just do it four days a week. Or maybe I should just do it once a week. Everyone's, oh, no, no, no. People are used to seeing it every single day. You've got to keep that going. So, Oh, my God. What a treadmill. Do you think it's because you were used to doing news on TV and it was, you know, daily stuff that was happening and it comes and it goes every single day? Is do you think that's, that's probably why some of it? Yeah. Like, I mean, you also mentioned I get up between four and five, which I do. And I'm sort of used to that schedule for the TV for doing ah, TV all these years where I'm up I and see. I have my coffee and I'm like, I'm ready to go. I, no matter what the hour you'd be like, Oh, can you get up at 3am and do a segment at four? I'm like, sure. That sounds good. <laughs> so, so when I get up at that hour, I mean, I put the finishing touches on it at night and then I go to bed feeling comfortable with what I have content wise. And then I get up like a producer and I sort of blow the whole thing up because there's more interesting stories that need to be swapped in and other, oh, others seem sort of less relevant. So I'm kind of living the life of a producer where it's like you are on that treadmill and you've got it on a, you know, a 14 incline or a 15 incline, you're just go, you know, going up, up, up. And then, you know, w when it goes out, I kind of take a little bit of a breather um, between seven and eight and 
sort of regroup and, you know, run errands or whatever the case may be. And then I start thinking about the next day. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Okay. But you've got 25,000 subscribers. You want to get to a million. Let's talk about um, how are you monetizing what you're doing? Because that's one of the big issues um, for all of us in print. Everybody's trying to figure out what the next way in is. Um, I went to my consumer because the whole advertising um, sort of way of doing things, which in the old days was the content is free. And then of course there's someone out there selling advertising um, that goes into it. And that was how they funded everything, but that kind of fell apart. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how are you planning to, um, or would you charge for the newsletter eventually? Will you get advertisers, sponsors? And what does that look like for you? Because you have to, I mean, this is a business. It's not a charity. Right, 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 right. It's not a hobby. It's like if I were to go on Shark Tank, they'd be like, this sounds like a hobby. I'm like, it is not no. a hobby. <laughs> no. But um, yeah, so I'm not monetizing the newsletter yet. And that's because I've met with different investors and VCs and everybody else. They're like, well, we'd like to see you get to 100,000 subscribers. Oh, and then goodness. maybe you can think about monetizing it. However, um, you know, we do have a very high open rate uh, of over 40%. I think the open rate in the industry wow. is something like, you think it's like 3 or 4% for a typical newsletter. I mean, oh, the skim really? is obviously higher, but, you know, higher than 2 or 3%. But So we do have a high open rate, which may, may, makes me think that I don't really necessarily have to listen to these people saying you've got to get to 100,000 subscribers. I think we probably could monetize it the way you suggest with advertorials and sponsors and things of that nature because we have this devout following Mm -hmm. who are, you know, we, we could be selling them something, which we're not yet. My, my right. problem with these other newsletters is that the bottom half of most of these newsletters I subscribe to is like complete, quote unquote, spam for me because it's just right. sponsored content or advertising and, oh, sponsored by Casper. It's like, I just, I don't know. I don't like to read those types of stories. So for now, right. I've kept them out. Right. However, at some point, yes. I mean, I've got to make some, some money off of this because, as you right. say, this is all I'm doing full time. I mean, I do babysit my, my niece's baby every now and then <laughs> <laughs> for the grocery money. <laughs> that is not a future. <laughs> it's Mainly sure is fun, though. Because <laughs> she'll, grow, she'll grow up and you won't have a job anymore. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. But she's a little, she's only five months. She's a little baby. So uh, I do that on the side when my, when, my, uh, when my niece goes to Soul Cycle. But yes, at some point, I, 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 I plan to monetize this. I do plan to, I mean, we have been growing. We've been growing organically. It is slow. Right. Yes, I know quicker, that. Yeah, you know that because there are quicker ways to grow. Yes. But you're right, but they're, either they require capital or not legitimate or you're buying lists. I don't want to do any of that. Yes, me either. Yep. Right. No, I'm trying to keep it clean. We're the clean girls trying to do it the right way. I think that pays off in the end. I really do. Because then you have people who really are invested rather than, um, you know, little boys in some strange right. island. In You're right. The Indian You've got a Ocean. quality, like you have a quality group right. of women following you. I have a right. quality. It's the same. I mean, we're, there's probably some crossover because right. my market is like smart, educated, like I mentioned, smart, educated women. Uh, you know, they've got, they've got, they've got some money. They've had some careers. They, they're mm -hmm. still working. Many of them. That's I mean, my they, group. you know, they go to, they, give, they go to Canyon Ranch when they can. I mean, this mm -hmm. is, this is my market. They're, they, mm -hmm. they enjoy life and they stay fit and healthy and they exercise. And so that's my demo and that's yours. It sounds mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about how you funded it. What did you, cause I, I get a lot of questions about process. Um, 
well, how did she do it? What did she take a loan? Did she, you know, use her savings? Like for instance, I talk a lot about how I literally thought about putting aside my severance pay um, to fund Covey because I knew it was coming. I had a, I was lucky enough. I had eight years of Rocky road um, with print sort of circling the drain that um, it was clear at some point they were going to pull the plug. And I decided to, you know, save my money and put the severance aside to use. How did you, how did you capitalize and, and how will you go forward doing that? Well, I did, I sold my big apartment on Park Avenue. So that was, that was the first thing I did when I saw the writing on the wall that this, this work was probably going to dry up and what was I going to do next? I was like, well, my maintenance in New York, I mean, I own the apartment outright, but it was 2,600 a month Mm. just to, just, mm. just, just for the doorman to say good morning to me and take my packages. And this, I thought, okay, this is my number one biggest expense. So that's got to go. That's before and around the mortgage? Time, no mortgage. I didn't have a mortgage. Didn't have I had a mortgage. Okay. No, that, that, if I had a mortgage on top of that, would be more. But right. so it was like, I paid off my mortgage a couple of years ago. So it was like 20, 25, 2600 a month. And, you know, when you have no income coming in, you're like, that's uh-huh. a problem. That is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so as luck would have it, around the same time I was thinking about selling, a broker came and knocked on my door and said, we think we have a buyer for your apartment because they lost a deal in this building and they want to be in this building. And oh my God, in? what luck. Yeah. So I said, okay, let me just quickly clean up. And I, they, they, they brought the buyer in and I went down to the basement with my bike and uh, the, the broker called me and said, we have an offer and it's 100 over comps. Wow. Awesome. So I was ecstatic. It was like, it was like relief, un, like unbelievable feeling of relief. I just was doing the happy dance, like down in the basement with my bike. Like I was like, this is so great. So it's, great. So that was a good sale because, you know, real estate in New York is. No, it's is terrible expensive. right now. Yeah. And right yeah. Now it's, it's terrible. It's expensive. So, so I sold that and then uh, moved into a temporary housing um, rental that a friend, had, a friend of a friend had. And I said, can I just stay here for a few months? And I ended up doing that for probably six or six months, I guess, and then bought a teeny tiny studio on the Upper East Side for half of the cost of the apartment. So that, that, you- that gave me a lot of, uh, that, put it this way, I was like a little more relaxed about what I was doing when I had that big check and I went and deposited it, you know, I was like, oh, right. okay, I'm not going to worry so much now. I just unloaded my, my biggest asset. And were your startup costs high or were they pretty minimal for what you're doing? Um, they were kind of high, quite honestly, because um, I had to do the trademark searches and the legal yes. stuff. Added All up the legal the yes. legal is unbelievable starting up any business. 38% of my first year went to legal. How about yours? Yeah. 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 I had to go back and look at my tax returns. And mine was probably about that, that, that percentage too. I mean, the, the trademark search alone, as I recall, was probably $10,000, maybe yes. more than that. Terrible. And then we yes. had a problem with a trademark issue and we had to do a cease and desist. So it's kind of oh, like, wow. this, is, this is not the type of thing that I signed up for, but I'm, I was learning as I went along. And I've since now working with a much smaller legal firm because the big one in New York was, I was just hemorrhaging money. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of that now that I'm down in New Orleans, maybe switching out of the cool hip Brooklyn mm -hmm. person who's great. But you know, it, every time I pick up the phone, it's, you know, a hundred dollars. 
Yeah, right. That that was the problem I was having in New York. Every time I picked up the phone, I mean, you know, good morning, how are you? That's okay. That's $50 that's right $70. there. That's <laughs> $70. <laughs> you know? yes. so, so, yeah. So, I mean, the, the freeing up the apartment was, was probably the best thing I did. And then I, um, yeah, I, I moved some money around. So I had the, 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 the small studio and then uh, the rest I invested in different stocks and I moved my portfolio around. So I, I, I set it up. So I have some income coming in from bonds every single month. So I've been sort of living off of that now, but you know, the first, yeah, like I said, the first couple of months I was at ease and I was probably enjoying the, the liquidity a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Interesting. What are the challenges of being a woman 40 plus in being an entrepreneur in your area at this point? Are there challenges? Are there advantages? What did you find? Well, one of the challenges I found is that my market, which is like 35, 40 and up 60, 70, we even have some subscribers who are in their 80s, is like this is a market that advertisers don't really like. Um, they want to hear more about the millennials and that's sort of the hip group and this and that. It's like, what about my market? I mean, my market's like smart and educated and we have lots of money and time. We have a and- tremendous amount of money. It's uh, The number I have is $19 trillion in, in right. expendable income and no one wants to look at us because it's completely age prejudice. That's it. Yeah, I'm running across the same issue with the age pre- prejudice. I mean, that's one of the challenges is like the market. I'm like, the market's awesome. You yeah. know, the market's great. It's, yep. we're, we're sitting on a heap of cash. Hello. Yes, yes, yes. So that, that's one of the challenges. I think also the other challenge is, is just being an entrepreneur. It's, it's isolating. I have brought in yes. a friend of mine to help me with the PR and everything, and we do have a couple of interns. But it's kind of like you just feel I don't get out as much as I used to. Right. And, I, you know, like I, I'm, I'm in, my head is buried in the content most days. And right. I think about non- non-political news all day long. So <laughs> it, is, it is definitely isolating. I mean, it's kind of like a, they say it's, it's, it's a lonely way to live. And I, I'm, I'm going to agree with them to some extent. <laughs> did you uh, expect that? I don't think anybody told me. I mean, the reason why I did not become a writer again was because that's a very isolating business is becoming mm-hmm. a freelance writer. I, I did not understand, and it's something that um, listeners do need to understand. Being an entrepreneur, especially while you're getting your business up and rolling until you can afford staff, is freaking lonely it's, and it's isolating, very lonely, right? right. Yeah. And nobody cares about nobody cares about it succeeding as much as you do. And right. you know, people who say they want to help, but they really want to help when you have something. Like people, oh, let me know if it takes off. I'm like, I need help now. Takes off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need help now. You know, like hello. So I just feel like there are people who want to say they want to help, but they don't really help. Um, Uh People who say they want to volunteer, but then they don't really want to volunteer. I've had a couple of interns just poop out. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of flaky. Well, but that you'll appreciate that um, is coming from your background. I know this sounds so stupid, but after, you know, 40 years of running big organizations and all that, and I was like, gee, what could I do to make these people pay more attention or gee, I need more articles. I need people to be submitting articles. I'm like, oh, you need to pay them better. <laughs> like, yeah. I bet you yeah. if I pay them better, 
they'll start submitting articles. I bet you if I pay them better, they'll show up. It's, you know, it's like, uh, oh, the money hook. I get Oh, it. it's a money hook, right. I didn't right. get it. Like, you mm-hmm. don't understand when you have been running big corporations, you know, and people are arguing over whether they're going to have a 10%, 2% increase or a 1% increase how significant just paying people a decent amount of money makes your I know your business right right but it's kind of like well you know I'd like to be paid too I haven't had a salary either you know so it's right right it's 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 a tough one I mean that's one of the many challenges too it's like how do you operate lean and mean but get things done and get things done efficiently and how do you have people jump on board when you're not offering them anything other than like to be part of this awesome team and you know, I guess with my with my um, PR partner, I did offer her equity, but there's certain hurdles she's got to hit. In order oh, that's to get interesting. That can you talk that's about a- how you did that? Because I think that's one of the things that entrepreneurs can do. And mm-hmm. the question is, how do you set that up, and how do you create those um, those hurdles for for people? Well, uh, interestingly enough, I met with somebody who's much smarter this smarter in this area than I am. And I sat down and had lunch with him. And I said, I have this friend who loves Snowpo, loves the product, believes in me and wants to come on board. And she says she's going to help with a PR. And so he said, okay, that's fine. And Dandy, you can give her equity, but not until she reaches certain milestones. For example, if your goal is to have 100,000 subscribers and you have, at the time I had 10,000, you know, if you have 10,000 now, she hits this amount, she gets this percent of equity, she gets this percent of equity. If she hits the 100,000 at the point where we're able to monetize non-political news, then okay, you can give her the full 10%. But she's got to hit it within a certain time frame. So there were all these different um, things that he spelled out to me over lunch. I then went huh. to my less expensive attorney in Providence, uh-huh. Rhode Island, and I had him draft up a, uh, an agreement. So it's working well. Like We're friends, so we, you know, we, we also have like stuff in there, too, in case the friendship goes belly up over this about right. what we're supposed to do. And there's a lot of different sort of clauses within the contract, when, if, could, you know, what it could have, should have, because a lot of things can go wrong, because this is, this is a friend of mine, and we're in business together. And, and that's you know. always risky by itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a friendship blow up very early on and, and the stupid thing, and I think this is a lesson for anybody thinking of getting into business. We all want to go into business with friends. Be very, very wary. Friends are different when you get into business with them. If you've not first been business friends and then worked it backwards, I think. Mm-hmm. If you are regular friends and then get into business, you find all kinds of divergent expectations and all that kind of stuff. And like you, I think you're very, very, very wise. I did not, I was so green. She was not a green person. I wish that she had mm-hmm. done this. Mm-hmm. The minute we started doing anything together, we should have drawn it up into a contract just to protect the friendship. Yes, yes. So, so going forward, you'll at least know that that's, that's the only way to do it because I feel oh, like, totally. yeah, there's, there's just too many things that, that can go wrong and do go wrong and you've got to protect yourself and your product and off and you know and it was really really sad because it was a friend of 20 years and she had been a very successful entrepreneur but um only gave me like a couple hours a week and then sort of had fantasies of you know taking a large percentage of the business but literally had when you boiled it all down and did the numbers um it was you know like 28 hours 
and she wanted a large chunk of the business. I mean, it was just completely nuts, but we did not spell it out. We should have spelt it out. I was working seven days a week. She was working a couple of hours a week. Yeah, that's, that's how, yeah, right. That's exactly. You have to be careful. Right, um, right. Yeah. So and I think you also have to give you up responsibilities that. too. Like, you know, I'm fine with the content. So somebody else has to do something completely different, bring something completely different to the table and don't step on my toes and I won't right. step on yours. So it's kind of like you do this and I do that. Be very clear with your responsibilities too, because that can get into a lot of, uh, that's another area that you, you step in a lot of mud if you don't have that spelled out. So yes. finding the right people has been, has been challenging. I've only brought in this one equity partner thus far and, you know, it's been working out well, but it's, we do have different personalities and I'm, I'm, I'm like your classic journalist. I'm kind of mm-hmm. like, I get things done and don't really talk about it. Whereas I feel like she, mm-hmm. you know, she blows a little hot air and, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know, like sometimes she gets stuff done and sometimes she doesn't. So it's like mm-hmm. personality differences are, mm-hmm. are there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And are you an LLC or what mm-hmm. did you do? Okay. You yes. did. And yep. why did you do LLC since you're a financial person? I think it's good for people to know. Uh, well, this is, goes back to my uh, my fancy New York attorney. So the legal firm said you got to set it up as an LLC for protection and this and that. And so I just listened to him because that's, that's not really my area of expertise either. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm like, yeah, that, that – so it's set up as an LLC. We did trademark the name NOPO. We did all the things our attorney said, and then we got a big fat bill. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We did very much the same kind of thing. So let's talk about um, tips and tricks for, well, first let me, you know what? I, I just want to, because I, you're so, as I was saying to you before we got on air, you are like, I mean, in this day and age for somebody as public as you, I can't find any big stories about you. I can find thousands of things you've done. You're all over the internet, but I'm like on page seven. I can't find anything. So in this one crazy place, it has <laughs> one personal thing which you can refute or not. Uh-oh. Um, but it's funny. It says rumor, as I say, rumor has it, you grew up on a farm with your sister and had chickens as pets. Is that part correct? <laughs> Where did you see that? That was in IMDb. And it said, and I'm saying the main catalyzing moment for you is when Rascal and Pumpkin were eaten by a dog. Is that correct? It, that is correct, actually. I'm embarrassed. Oh, my God. I, nobody, nobody has brought that up ever. I don't, I don't even know that was out. I did not it's know that It's out, out there, man. It's, let me tell you, it's out there floating. Be careful. Wow. Yeah. So my dad, uh, who's deceased as about 10 years ago, he, we, we, he liked to have <laughs> chickens <laughs> in the backyard. So those were our pets. I mean, I, my, we had rascal and pumpkin and we loved those little chickens and we played with them out in the backyard. And I mean, it was just fun. And you know, dog we had, ate it? Your dog or somebody no, else? No, no. A, a neighbor's dog. Boy, that was devastating. Cause we were, you know, we were just kids and the, you know, like, and we were out playing with the chickens. They'd follow us, follow us all around the house and the yard. Oh, my <laughs> God. It yeah, would that be was worse, devastating. though, if they ended up on the table, though, wouldn't it? Right. That would have been much worse. That would have been much <laughs> worse. My, my dad would go out in the morning and get eggs and stuff from, the, from them. Oh, and we would, that's we, we would just play with the chickens. And, you know, as a kid, you, you think that that's, like, so much fun. And it was. It was a right. great childhood. It was a whole lot of fun, a lot of laughs. And, and where was that? Where, where were you? Where did you grow up? And why did was you on end up loving news? That was on the Cape. Um, well, the the back the news the news stuff is like when I was in even in high school I was doing you know essays and ri- taking all these writing courses and 
and then I, you know, did the AP literature, everything just sort of, I, I've always known I was a journalist. I mean, I used to write like poems and that's sort of how I started. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. as a kid, I had a diary and mm-hmm. I've always been a journalist. Um, my first break was at Inc. Magazine. That's where I really sort of got my, my start to this, to this career. And I went from magazine to magazine to magazine to, to the other side, to the to the broadcast side, the evil side, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> more fun and more glamorous and, and more money and more, more money, money. And more money. Yeah. right. And more money. Right. right. So that's especially now. I mean, this, uh, the magazines, I mean, no one's oh. paying anyone anything. Oh man. Oh, it is. Oh, well, you don't even go there. I pay a tiny, tiny, tiny token. Um, just so that I'm not the Huffington post in terms yeah. of asking people to work for free unless they have like, you know, a book they're pushing or something, something. They're right. There's no other of. incentive really, unless you're pushing something and they can right. link to it or some, some other right. stuff. So you're getting but something give, out of it. I give a token just to say, I appreciate what you do. And down the road, I hope I can pay more. And that's one of the reasons why we do a subscription service is so that I'd like to raise my prices to my writers. Cause I have terrific writers who come to me, but I'm a yeah. publisher. So it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I don't are, know. Like, so go, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, what are your tips and tricks for anybody, like do's and don'ts, three or three of them, four of them, whatever's on your mind, um, for somebody who's leaving corporate and wants to do it, I guess specifically a newsletter, or it could be overall um, just being an entrepreneur okay. after being in corporate? I'd say the main thing is, first, first and foremost, uh, would be to test the waters. Like you have an idea, but is it, it, you know, how good an idea is it? Is it going to resonate with people? And I tested it just on, like I said, on social media and I saw I was kind of, you know, getting some traction there. So it's one thing to have an idea, but you sort of have to see if it's a viable idea. Right. And then you have to see, can you make money on this idea? And do you want to put the time and energy into working on this 24 seven? Because it's a whole lot of work. I mean, hobbies gone wild. I mean, that's that's what this has become. It's like a hobby that's gone wild. So I think right. testing the seeds first, first and foremost, whether it's something that's possibly going to going to fly, right? Uh, before you invest all this time and money and energy and everything into it, because everything must go into it. Everything, right. your right. heart, your soul, everything goes into being your own boss. So. Testing the waters is the main thing. The second thing I would say would be, like we talked on briefly, is lining your financing right. situation up, making sure that you are financially stable. I mean, and you can do this, and it, it'll work when you work when you move your finances around. Because in my situation, as I mentioned, I had to sell my apartment. I took half the proceeds, and I put maybe a quarter into the bond funds so that I could have some, have some monthly income and the rest went into some bank stocks. So I really rejiggered the portfolio so I would have some steady regular income to live off of and worry a little less. You've got to have right. Right. something. I mean, you the need a runway. You need a runway. I mean, the financial situation is, thankfully, I mean, over the years, I've been maxing out the 401ks and doing right. all this. And I, I think for some people, you know, it might not even be possible to start your own business unless you have the financial situation shored up. Yes. It's expensive. Think, it's expensive. Every idea yeah. you have and research yeah. and like I said, yeah. the legal fees and you've got to, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to, not going to like, you know, go out and say to my wealthy, wealthy relatives, which I don't have, Hey, do you have like, you know, a couple million bucks to get this thing going? Uh, you know, right. A, I don't have wealthy relatives and B, 
right. I'm not going to ask anybody. So right. the money's going to come out of your pocket. So you've got to make sure. I think I underestimated actually the startup costs in yes. in, in doing this. Yes. Um, probably the first year was definitely probably fifty thousand dollars just between setting it up, the legal fees, um, the, the the cease and the, the cease and desist thing that we had to do, and. Oh my goodness! It was just kind of like that's low, he, Vera. That's a very good it? number. Yes, that's a very good number. Yep, I spent twice that um, starting. Yep. Oof. Yeah. Yep. That, that. That. I mean, when I look back on my tax returns, I was like, wow, that that seemed like a lot. We we have a we have a uh, tech guy on retainer. Oh, you, you know, when do. Things See, go, I don't when have it, that. Yeah. yeah. I okay. mean, well, I felt like we needed that because, like, when if the email doesn't go out or if there's right. problems, you've got to have. Some, I don't. I mean, I'm not right. technologically savvy, so right. that would be so. Test the waters on social media. You know, shore up the finances. Yes. And then I would say also, I mean, say yes to absolutely everything. Every meeting, every conference, every introduction. Yes. I feel like you have like. As an entrepreneur, you're in your own little world, your own little bubble. I'm hiding in my apartment nine times out of ten. Like, you know, <laughs> get out, get out, and yes. meet people, meet like-minded individuals, other yes. entrepreneurs, and something always leads to something at some point. I yes. just feel like down the line, it's going to all pay off at some yes. point. You know, but you got to take those meetings. I mean, even if it's a meeting with like, I mean, I've taken meetings with bankers to kids to, you know, moms who maybe think their daughter wants to be an intern and get into this business. Like, so you just take all those different things and see yes. where, where things and go. And you don't know where the help is going to come from and you don't know where the, the next connection is going to come from. So it is kind of random, but you, you're not going to, you're not going to bump into it sitting in your apartment. You're right. 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 And the right. help, also, the help, I will say, the help, sometimes you, you think certain people are going to help you and then they don't. Like, sometimes you're also sort of discovering who your, your fan base slash your friends are in the process, yes. too, because who's supporting you and who's not? Like, I, I know who's supporting me, and I'm, I'm fully aware of who isn't. So it's right. kind of like, uh, you know, when I go out with my family and we talk to people in town, I say to my mom, well, she's a subscriber, she's a subscriber, she's got a high open rate. Because we, we, you know, like, I, oh, I You like, know all that. Wow. I don't know uh, all of that about my people. Okay. You've got, you and I have to have a, a class afterwards because I have to get your fan, you know, you know, establish your fan base and then, you know. Okay. Interesting. They're the ones who are, you know, helping you along. So the support team is really important. Interesting. Well, Vera, thank you so much. I love talking to you. It is wonderful to talk to somebody who's so enthusiastic and energetic about finances <laughs> to start with, which was oh. not an area that ever turned me on. And I think you're right about, you know, we're just so pop bogged down with this politics thing that it's nice and refreshing to have something else. And you do have a great sense of humor. So Oh, good. Well, thank you, Leslie. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to maintain your sense of humor. You'd go crazy, right? Oh, yes. And thank you so much also, um, you know, for being part of this broadcast, because I think you'll find, um, I, I'm sure people will go sign up at nonpoliticalnews.com. Come on, help Vera. Thank you. Send it to your friends as well. And I'm, you know, really sorry about Rascal and Pumpkin. That's a, that's a, <laughs> A horrible story that is actually true. <laughs> so I, I can't believe you found it. That's the reporter good. in you. I'm a good yeah. reporter, see? Yep. All yep. right, Vera. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. 
So I want to thank you for listening to Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. I hope this was helpful. I feel like we're getting at some new ideas and new tricks and tips. And especially when we can talk about how to finance these things. It is hard. There is money required and you have to plan. And if you liked the podcast, I hope that you will listen to others. I hope you will subscribe. And if you like us, please give us five stars and pass us along to other friends who could use the help. And our real goal here is to help women of all ages learn that they can reinvent themselves at any point in their life. You are never too old. It is never too late. And there are a bazillion women doing it. And you may not have heard of them. Um, They may not be on the cover of magazines or the New York Times, but they are doing it and they are doing great businesses and you can do it too. You do not have to continue uh, down the road you're in with an unsatisfying job. And if you're being pushed out of a job or being pink slipped or whatever, it ain't over till you say it's over, girlfriend. So there you go. Anyway, hope you'll join us at CoveyClub.com. We have a wonderful new Covey Connect app, which allows everybody to geolocate members so you can connect with people. We're having really wonderful private conversations. It's an app that has no ads, no scraping, nothing. Um, You get it by joining Covey Club um, for $9.99 a month. And these are women around the world who are successful and want to help each other uh, to the next level, both in business and friendship. Anyway, hope you'll come join us and hope you'll listen to our next broadcast on the next Friday. Thanks and take care.